Do you love to talk about books? Do you wonder how authors build their stories? Each month, I'll take you on the journey of discovering how authors work. Listen to how writers explain their craft and the mission behind their writing with the nature of authors. I'm your host, Chrissy Holm. Let's talk books. It's time to welcome our second guest of season two, Carolyn Lee Arnold author of 50 First Dates After 50. Today, we're going to be talking about writing, dating, and relationships after 50. Hello, Carolyn. Hello, Chrissy. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Great. I'm super excited that you're here with us, and I'm excited to dive into your book, learn more of what it's about, and just have a little bit of fun today. Okay, okay. So I'll just start with a little bit of an icebreaker and then we'll Mm kind of talk a little bit more about your book. Does that sound great? Sure. Sure. Cool. Okay. So have you ever played like, would you rather, or do you know what that is? Yeah. Yes. It's a, yeah. It's a kind of an in the moment game. It is. Yes. I'll go through a few. Would you rathers? Um, The first, would you rather? So would you rather always be camping or always be in the city? Oh, always be camping. Definitely. Yeah. Yes, that's great. So would you rather sit by a campfire or sit on a beach? Sit on a beach. That's my other love. Yep. Sit on a beach. I love it. (laughs) Okay. So would you rather always be too hot or too cold? Oh, definitely too hot. I can stand a lot of hot. Yes. Yes. I've, I've been cold all winter, even in the Bay Area. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually was just there not too long ago. Oh, oh. yeah. Probably wasn't cold to you, but it's cold to us natives. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it's brisk. And then the last one, would you rather live in a cave or live in a treehouse? Oh, treehouse, definitely. I need views, I need space, I need to look out and oh, have light. Is- yeah. Yes. That's beautiful. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. All right. Questions. I love those images. Yeah. So I'm a big nature person. That's usually why I start with some like nature outdoorsy mm-hmm. type of questions. But then I like to do like an icebreaker a little bit more about the writing. So when did you first call yourself a writer? Oh, wow. That's a great question because I started writing memoir in 2011 when I realized I had some stories to tell, but I don't, it took me a while to say I am a writer. Luckily, I was going to a lot of classes and one of our teachers, someone said, or maybe it was a student, they said, you're a writer if you're writing. <laughs> so so, it was, so I finally, I took that on actually. Once I heard that, I said, okay, as long as I write, I'm a writer. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's one of the hardest things to like admit, which is so strange because it's as simple as that student had said, like right. you're writing your writer. <laughs> Right. It feels like a big identity you're taking on that, especially if you haven't had that identity. And do I deserve it? Am I doing enough to be a writer? Because uh, I was starting from scratch. I was a social science report writer. <laughs> and so a writer, <laughs> but I love to write. So I love to write all my life and I'm writing some things. I wrote travel logs. I wrote great letters to people. I, I wrote some stories. So yeah, I took that- it on. That's great. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about what's kind of been your writing journey and it can be work writing. It can be whatever, but what has it been like? 
Well, before, I mean, I was really trained as a social science researcher, um, quantitative research. And so I'm usually, most of my life, I was writing research reports that were pretty dry. I tried to put some interesting things in them so people would read them and find interesting facts. And I did a few things like when I was the support person for my friend's birth, I wrote about that experience of her two births of her children. I wrote, I gave little gifts of, wrote about experiences of my friends. And I wrote great travel logs when I went traveling. But then the writing happened because I was doing this dating project and I was having a lot of fun dating. And it was just, I was, and I was having some great stories and I was telling my friends these stories and like good friends do, they say, oh, you must write them down. (laughs) The innocent, oh, you must write them down trick. And it sounded fun. And and so I I said, well, and I had a break from my job. I was on sabbatical. So I started taking memoir classes to see, well, how do you write? Because I I know it doesn't come out like a social science research report. So I started taking classes and I basically took class after class after class, a lot of beginning memoir classes. And the value of those classes was not only feedback from the teacher, but feedback from the other people in the class. Mm -hmm. And just to hear people react to my writing. And I had a long thing to write. I had 50 days. As you can see, the name of my book is what well, you said, the 51st dates after 50. I had 50 dates to write about. Yeah. And so they started out as like little chapters. So there were a lot of places I could get feedback. And some people like some, some people like others. And it was just a process of really persevering and also being willing to hear hard feedback. Sometimes I didn't like a teacher if she was too hard or too critical. If there was, yeah. if she was critical for the wrong reason, I thought like if she just didn't like how I was dating, that wasn't about my writing. It was about she didn't like what I was doing, and that's inappropriate. I thought, but no, absolutely. But if it was about here's how you could express that better, I tended to trust those teachers. So I took a variety of teachers in the Bay Area. There were a variety of informal writing organizations that you could take from writers. So I took courses in creative nonfiction and memoir and some things like erotic writing because I was my some of my dates were very sexual and I needed to know how to do that. So I just took class after class. And the other the thing that the classes did, it gave me deadlines of we need you to, to see this chapter by then. And it gave me feedback. Just mm-hmm. the crucial things I think for a writer. I it's you have to, you know, uh, that age old truth is we sit down and write by ourselves. But it, for me, it comes alive. The whole point was in sharing it. That's the really the point for me is to share it. The other thing that I had going that really helped was, and it's in my book because I had was part of an organization that was putting on workshops on relationships, which mm. really helped my dating. It's a big part of my dating story because I was getting a lot of skills of relationships that could be applied to dating. But meanwhile, at those workshops that were weekend workshops, we always had an entertainment night where you could share something from your heart and something that was important to you. So I would often read from my stories. First, I told them, and then when I started writing them, I would write them. And just to hear people's reactions was so gratifying to me that that really fed me as a writer. It, it my like, I love having this effect on people that they enjoyed it or they were touched or they saw themselves in it. Absolutely. So, Yeah, it's validating to know that like, not only is it part of your life and your story, but like people are resonating with it and and enjoying it. So I think that's great. You started talking a little bit about 50 first dates after 50, but what is the story about? The story is about, it's a memoir. So it's about me in my late fifties. I wanted to find a committed male partner 
I'd never had one. I'd had a series of exterior monogamy, a lot of short relationships with men. And then women, I tried women for a long time, hadn't found the right woman, went back to men, still was having short relationships with men. And I knew I was doing something wrong. I, I ended up taking those relationship workshops and learning a lot of skills, but I still hadn't found the right partner. So I found a great partner, but he didn't want to commit. And so we were breaking up after seven years because I wanted to have a committed partner and I wanted someone who lived nearby. He lived in Hawaii and then Bali. So I thought, how can I look for someone and do it differently than I did before? Because obviously my picking technique is not that great. <laughs> so as a researcher, so I thought I'm going to just structure this. So I have to get out and see a lot of different people so I can expand my type of man. So I don't go for the type that I've just had. So I gave myself the goal of 50 dates and I thought of it as a dating project rather than just dating. And that the project was to find out what type of man and what type of relationship I wanted. Because I've been an independent feminist woman all my life. And who would fit into my life? You know, what balance of independence and closeness would really work for me? I knew I wanted to be close to someone. I wanted to commit to someone and have a partner. But I didn't know how that partner would fit into my life. So it was an exploration. And I went through, on 50 dates. I put out, I cast my net very wide. I didn't have a list at the beginning. I said, I'm going to develop my list as I go and see who appeals to me, what types of men. I'm going to try to date a lot of different types of men to see what are they like and what I'm like. It was really about me. It was kind of about the men, but it's about who am I with these men and who enhances my life the most and who would fit in to my life and who I could give the most, who I can be my, myself with and who can, they can be with themselves with. I was just looking for that. But it was a mystery. It was a kind of a mystery. And so I, I went through these 50 days. It took me two and a half years. I allowed myself to linger with some men. I was open-minded. I gave people some chances like, well, this might work. <laughs> this could work. <laughs> right? Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't like, okay, you're, you're not it. Some of them I did, some I could tell. I had to like, in order to go out with someone, I had to like them, but they could, they didn't have to fit my image of a partner. I was really exploring what that part was. So that meant I went out with people that I actually didn't end up enjoying being with, or they didn't enjoy me. <laughs> they didn't appreciate me. Yeah. <laughs> Dating, you have to have a lot of resilience and protect your heart too, mm. but keep going because it's a numbers game. And that's what I was saying. That I, I knew that if I saw enough people and I thought 50, but I was prepared to go on another 50 if I hadn't found them. And I did find my guy. I found the perfect partner for me wow. later in the project. I'm not going to say what date because that's the surprise in the story. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we have now been together for 11 years. And actually, he's just moving in tomorrow. Oh, oh, <laughs> it's kind wow. of a big week. Oh, that's <laughs> We've li oh, been living amazing. separately all this time and he's moving in tomorrow. So oh, it's pretty exciting. So, <laughs> that's so exciting and so special. I love that. And I love that you go into it with kind of just that such an open mind of like, I'm ready just to explore who I am and who I want to find in that partner. And I think a lot of society and people might feel like they have to just stick with one person or like, oh, okay, I'm going to just settle because this is all I'm going to ever find. So I love that you had that curiosity beyond exactly. that. Thank you. Thanks for seeing that. That is a danger, especially when we're older, Of and actually could happen when we're younger too, but of settling because we're afraid there is no one else out there. We've absorbed all the numbers that say there aren't enough men out there, there aren't enough women, there aren't enough whoever. But really, you know, what I found is, first of all, you only need one. 
And so numbers be damned, really. I'm a statistician. Yeah, right. and I can say that. It doesn't it, oh. The numbers don't apply to the individual. Yes. <laughs> they, oh, um, so they, it, you still just need to find that one person. And it means, but you just need to look. You need to look through a lot of people because there's a lot of people we could be with that you have to find that match. But settling, it's scary. It's scary to take that leap and say, is there someone else out there? And that's what I was trying to prevent. I was protecting myself from that feeling by saying, no, I have to go on 50 dates. I was making myself go on 50 dates so that I wouldn't settle. And I could circle back if I wanted to. I, get, I told myself, <laughs> right, but, exactly. but I, I wanted to make sure I, would, I got to the 50. That's so great. Yeah. So why 50? Like what oh. stuck out for 50? Well, there were a few reasons. Let's see. I think the first thing I thought I, I was talking to a friend about what I should do. And I said, I'm going to have to go out with a lot of men to get over Peter, who was my ex-boyfriend. I needed to get over him and get him, not choose someone just like him. I said, it's going to have to be a lot of people, a lot of men. And I said, and then what came into my mind is that movie, of course, 50 First Dates with Adam yes. Sandler mm-hmm. and, and Drew Barrymore. And of course, she went on 50 First Dates with him. Mm-hmm. The same guy <laughs> with the same guy because she had amnesia. Right. <laughs> it was a different story. It was a yes. very different story, but it put 50 in my mind. And then I remembered, then I realized, well, wait a minute, I'm a statistician. When you're trying to get a, a big enough sample to have significant results, it's 50. It's 50. So oh. I should be able to get significant results out of 50. So that's why 50 sounded good to me. And I was, and I had, well, I was way past 50, but I was in my 50s, but it was all <laughs> about 50. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's so great. And that's one of my favorite movies of all time. So yeah, Uh I know when we had connected, I was like, oh, 50 first dates. I wonder. And then I read a little more. I'm like, oh, this is so great. But yeah, no, I love the connection between that number and just like your background. It's just so it's so unique. That's Uh great. Thanks. Yeah. But when it comes to like the writing process, what or not necessarily process, but what inspires you to write? Well, a few things. What inspired me to write this book and then to keep at it to the, through the publishing, which was quite a slog, as you probably know, I kept feeling like I had something to share with other women that was a positive view of dating. I really had something. I felt like I had something to contribute that a lot of women might not know because I saw a lot of women my age not enjoying dating. And, and dropping out of dating or settling. And so I thought, well, I didn't do that. And I think here's why. I mean, I think my method really worked well to kind of counteract those tendencies to either drop out or settle. So I wanted to share it. it I was thinking it would be inspiring. It also evolved into something else, which is because I included, because as an older woman who was used to being sexual, I included a lot of sexuality in the book. And so the other thing that kept me writing was I wanted to reflect on that reality of older women being sexual mm-hmm. and have that out in the world written because I just read Erica Jong's Spear Flying Again. And 50 years ago, she was a, a revolutionary for saying that, that she was sexual. And that was even in a marriage. <laughs> and she got a lot of flack for that. And we are still facing um, a feeling of like we're transgressing if we are mm-hmm. if we talk too much about sex and really frankly about how we really feel and what it's really like and what we're doing. So I felt like I wanted to be honest and say this is what over 50s women are doing, some of us. <laughs> and the, mm-hmm. those of us who are, I wanted to validate that. And, and so the other reason to write is to write something that other people might see themselves reflected in. 
They, they mm-hmm. might see themselves on the page and feel supported, validated, or inspired. Absolutely. I think that's the beauty of telling like personal stories and memoir is to be able to like, Hey, this person is real. They are going through this. They've gone through this and it is super validating. And that's the beauty of telling stories. In You're general. right. And thank you for pointing out the value of memoir, because don't think that some of those times I thought, why didn't I fictionalize this? I wouldn't have had to be so vulnerable. <laughs> I could have, because it's really me out there in the book. And what I had to return, I thought about it for a while because I maybe I've had at least one opportunity to say, well, maybe I should turn this into fiction. But I returned to my early feminist sex educator self. I used to, I worked in the free clinics in the 70s at the Women's Health Collective in Berkeley. And we were all about empowering women about our bodies and teaching ourselves about our bodies and sexuality. And so I felt like I'm still doing that. We need to be honest and open. And you're right, it's the honesty. And I thought it would have more power and strength if it was a real story, a real woman. So that's why I did that. That's so great. It's interesting. I know earlier you were saying like, I can't remember exactly, but something, a question that I thought of was like, why do you think sex is such a taboo topic to talk about? Mm, Good question. Well, it's a historical issue. I've been a little studying Erica Zhang right now because I'm in a book club that we were reading her. And things opened up right before she started writing about sex. Things had just opened up. We started, we had the pill. We had some of the laws changed so people could be sexual, even in marriage. I mean, there were incredible repressive laws. And things just changed. So all of a sudden you could write about sex and not be illegal. Lady Chatterley's lever wasn't, you couldn't even get it in anywhere until I think the 60s. And so first the men started writing, Henry Miller and Philip Roth, and they wrote these books that were really sexual. And someone said, well, why aren't women writing that? And it was even scarier for women to do that. And so people, Erica was one of the first, and then other women started writing um, about sexuality. But it's basically that society has a very, very heavy taboo against it. Mm -hmm. And even when it's an opening up period like the 70s, you know, a lot of us created a bubble, like I was in Berkeley and the, the feminists and the lesbians, we had a huge bubble of safety in what we were doing and saying and speaking and reading and writing. But out in the rig elsewhere, there are still the laws that we're still feeling now. And we're still maybe going backwards with those laws. I'm sorry, I don't have a deeper, <laughs> deeper no, analysis, that. but it's, that's the truth. It's when I mean, people call that patriarchy, it's the patriarchal thing of keeping women under control and keeping our sexuality under control. You could blame it on whatever, but the fact is it's very repressive that those Absolutely. tendencies. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail right on the head. Um, mm-hmm. And we have no, to be very brave to counteract it. I feel myself, I had to become brave to publish this book, not to write it. I was writing it away. And the beauty of memoir is, well, just write what you did, you know, write, just write it and decide how you're going to publish it later. That's the mantra. So I was merrily going along and publish, about to publish it. I thought, oh my God, what have I done? It's, I'm really putting this out there. Then I had to get really clear about that. I want to be brave. I want to put this out. I'm doing this for other women and that we have to be brave to counteract those forces, those anti-sexual, anti-woman, anti-independent women. And ironically, here I am writing a book about dating men and trying to find Mr. Right. <laughs> I felt I was, it was a little mixed messages here, but, but I did feel like I, in some part of that, because I was doing it as an older woman, I was being brave to do that, to tell that story. 
I mean, absolutely. I think you bring a unique perspective to it that, I mean, I've never heard of a story like this before. So I think it's super unique. Yeah. And it's, it's inspiring even for, I mean, I'm younger, but like, it's inspiring to me just to see as you get older, like love and relationships doesn't just stop and become stagnant. Like you, it's vibrant um, even beyond yeah, thanks for seeing that, especially if you want it to be. I mean, we, yeah. we work on it and we, we have good communication and we go to these workshops and we get a lot of support for being loving and appreciative and it helps. But yeah, yeah, it's good to know that all people of all ages can have good relationships and sexuality. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So for 51st Dates After 50, you've received a ton of awards. Oh, yes. How'd you, you notice? <laughs> I did. I went on your website. (laughs) Thank you. That is super fantastic. So, well, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. And if you were to give an aspiring author tips or suggestions or advice, what would you give to them to become an award-winning author? Well, first of all, don't try to second guess what the market wants. You have a story to tell. What is your story? And so don't try to change your story because you think this or that might be more popular. First of all, you can't ever, you can't ever predict and it changes every day. So forget it that, that. And then to tell your story, get the best possible counsel from teachers, different teachers about what makes a good story. Because basically we all have great stories because we're all living these wonderful lives and interesting lives, but a story is not just this happened. And then this happened. It can't be a great, it can't be, Oh, this incredible thing happened to me. It can't just be that. It has to be some process. You have to go through some sort of change. You have to have some reflection about how it's affecting you. You have to be introspective about it as well as a good discovery. So you have to find the good elements of a story to make it something that people would want to read and learn from. And then I guess the other thing I'd say is be clear on your motivation. And what is your reason for writing? Because that will carry you through. It was a long slog for me. It took me 10 years to write it, to get from starting to write it to publishing 11 to publish, I guess. No, no, it was 10, 10 and a half, but who's counting? <laughs> yeah, right. I, 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 needed, I needed that time to learn how to write for one thing. So, so just keep learning. So the other thing is practice, 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 write, mm-hmm. write all the time, write as much as you can practice dialogue, practice characters, practice everything and read a lot, read because if read in the genre that you're writing, either whether it's fiction or nonfiction and read the other genres so that you know what's out there and know how you fit in. Not how you fit in, you know, not trying to shoehorn yourself in, but just so you're not thinking you're saying something really unique when it's already out there or people are going in a different direction. You need to see where you are in the general. Like like um, landscape of it all. Yeah. The landscape. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. So those are just a few things. That's great advice. Because, you know, the awards that I feel most proud of in those awards are the ones that spoke to the thing that most important to me in the book. I got an award for the sexuality in the book. I got one of them was a number uh, first place in, in sexuality and memoir and a memoir and one in relationships and one in new age culture. I haven't mentioned, but my, the personal growth workshops were part of the kind of a new age culture. So the things that I was actually the most afraid to put out, mm-hmm. but were the most real for me in my life are the things that got the awards. Wow. Um, so it's Erica Zhang said that too. She said, Someone said, were you afraid of what you were writing? And she said, yes, I was afraid. And so I knew I was on the right track. 
if I was really terrified about what I was writing, I knew I was being honest and yeah. That's so powerful. And <laughs> I know I'm not saying much, but I resonate with that oh, oh, really? a ton. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly how I feel. So, and that's another cool thing about memoir is you are being vulnerable. It's scary. It's terrifying, but then you get to connect with so many different types of people that you might've never thought you would. Oh yeah. Definitely. Definitely. The people who read your book, they appreciate you. The other writers that you're writing with, that's a whole other community that I didn't even know about. I'm so pleased to be part of right now. And you do reach a lot of people. I mean, I, I hear my readers either write a review on Amazon or Goodreads, or they comment on my Facebook page. That's so great. So what part of the craft do you enjoy most? Like writing, mm. editing, revising, ooh, and ooh. why? Wow. <laughs> well, oh my gosh. I don't know if I have a favorite. I don't have a favorite because each one has their strengths. I loved like the best, I could say I love the first part. Like for me, I was writing dates or I'm writing for my next memoir. I'm writing just scenes, a lot of scenes. I have a list of scenes to write. And when I just sit down and I just have a writing period and I write a scene, it's so satisfying. It comes out and there it is. And I can see it and I can read it to somebody and I just get that gratification for expressing something and actually writing, describing something. I think that is actually the funnest part because I'm actually at the revision stage in my next memoir right now. And I'm kind of dragging my feet because oh. <laughs> like, oh no. I mean, <laughs> it's just this part about what to do next, like really what to change. And there's there's a little hesitance in if, if you don't have any guidance and you know, just, just wondering what to do how to make it better. Then there's a part after you kind of fixed everything when, you know, you have the form, right. And you, and you think, then there's a, a really fun edit of revising this more or less fiddling with the things like what, what could be a better word here. Yes. And how could the last sentence of this chapter really help it feel like they want to go on to the next chapter. Mm-hmm. So that's actually a fun part of revising when you're just really fiddling around the edges, but making, but really making some thing, great changes. So that's what I like. Yes. Oh, I love all those reasons. And I think that's the good thing that you're a writer because it's all the things to, you know, to keep you pushing forward. Yeah. And then don't forget now publishing and promoting because I discovered that I love promoting my book. There were a lot of details to publish it, but it was mainly, that was mainly about refining the book and making sure it was good and everything. But to, to get to go out and talk about my book and write about it and write articles and write and talk about the themes of my book with people. I love that. And, and writing all the social media posts and things. I mean, it turns out my partner was a comp- not complaining, but I was, I, was, I was saying, I'm starting to be an introvert in these 10 years I'm writing. I think I'm becoming more introverted because this writing, I really don't feel like socializing too much. I just want to write. Then all of a sudden, when I started promoting my book, I became my introvert, my extrovert came out and I, I want to just be all over the place. And, I, and oh, we're all happy funny. about that. We're all happy that we're not, I'm not just an introvert. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. that's, that's so great. Because I think, I mean, things I've heard from a lot of authors, promoting is the hardest part, like the marketing and it's mm-hmm. a constant, you constantly have to do it. So it, I love your enthusiasm behind it. And mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, that's good inspiration for anybody who's listening that is in that stage, just 
Yeah, you know, it, it does take a little bit. You have to get over the feeling of I'm selling something or I'm selling mm-hmm. myself. And it helps to talk to other writers, other authors, like this is how we do it. And this is what you have to do. And yes, it's fine to do it. So you have to get over that hump of it's okay to post every day and, so, and something about your book. That's okay, because that's you, people need to hear about your book. But the best advice I got was do the things that are fun for you. Mm-hmm. Don't You don't have to do everything. There's a million things to do to promote your book. For instance, I'm not doing Twitter. I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't, I'm not ready to learn it, but I love Instagram. I just love Instagram and I love Facebook somewhat too. So I've focused on those, those things. Absolutely. And then that's how I have fun and podcasts. I love, I love podcasts. So I'm so glad to be on yours. <laughs> Yay. No, I appreciate you being on mine and I love podcasts too. So uh, yeah, no, that's, this is great. And it's, I'm super glad to have you here too. Mm-hmm. What do you hope the reader will get out of your story? A few things. I started out hoping that women would get inspiration for dating, that they would get ideas that maybe they didn't have, like, oh, here's a way to do dating that would actually be fun. I guess I would like to promote more women having fun dating and in a self-loving way. By fun to me, it means I'm loving myself. I'm enjoying myself and because I'm loving myself and I'm being good to myself while I'm dating. So I want more women to be able to do that. And so I'm, I'm hoping they take some ideas, not all the ideas that they probably, not everyone wants to follow my whole path, but there's lots of little things they could take. That's one thing. The other thing is, as I said before, the women who are actively sexual in their older years, I want them to feel validated and celebrated and that, that they have someone that reflects them, their life. And then for people who are not familiar with the world of personal growth workshops and spiritual ceremonies and affirmations and living a more a little bit more of a spiritual or open life. I hope that people just get a glimpse of it just to know that there are other ways to live in this country, at least in other in the world too. So those are the things I hope they get. And I think there's so much that a lot of people can learn in all the things and almost provide I think the biggest thing for me, like when I read is empathy, like we can then see from somebody else's perspective a little bit more. Mm, Yeah. Just like opening the, that. Yeah. I would hope that there's one more actual thing I didn't mention about the sexuality in the book is that I also very model safe sex a lot. Mm. That's a natural part of, of my sexuality. So it's a model of a healthy older woman being sexual. And that's important to me. So in case people don't have that image, like what would that be? What would it look like if you were free to be sexual and date and be with men however you want? What would that look like? This is one way it might look like, just a suggestion. (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. You're really sharing that message or a message to be safe, but you can still have fun. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. Thanks for seeing that. Yeah. Dating, sex, relationships, you've experienced all those things, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, with the 50 dates and beyond. And now you've had a partner for the last, you said 11 years, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 11 years. So what do you think is the key to a successful partnership? Appreciation of looking for the good in people. And really, really, it's a muscle. It's a practice to see that, to see the good in people. I mean, it's also the key to success in dating. Because if you can go out with people and see the best, the, what's good in them, each person has something that's good. And so that you'll get more out of the date then, whether or not they're right, they don't have to be right for you, just be a good person. 
But a relationship is particularly important because we get a little bogged down with the day-to-day. And just to keep telling your partner how much you appreciate them and what you appreciate about them. We stop a lot during the day and say, can I appreciate you for something? And it just makes our relationship sparkle. So beautiful. I, oh, I love that because it's really that deep connection, I think, and an emotional connection as well. Yeah, it, it builds an emotional connection too. It builds trust. It builds, I appreciate him appreciating me. <laughs> it goes back and forth. It builds Absolutely. on it. It builds on it. it. Builds on it. Yeah. And how, how do you kind of find that time to balance like that emotional and that relationship with your writing and promoting and everything else that you do? Well, up until now, it's been by living separately, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, uh, but but actually, we're, we're pretty good at being together too. I picked someone who also is passionate about his work too. He's a researcher and mathematician, and he loves doing his own work. So we're often in the same house on our own computers doing our own thing, and then we break for a, a hike or going out to dinner or something, and or, or being with our friends. So it's it's just balancing the time. And for me, it was finding a person who, who liked the same things I liked in the same proportions. It was kind of a miracle, but hiking on an afternoon on a Sunday is a priority for him as well as me, even though we have a lot of work. So that's what we're doing. And we lived apart for 11 years and he would just come on the weekends. He, he actually still is going to be in midweek being where he used to be because he, he has a lot of connections there. So it's that feeling of, trusting what we each need, which is a little alone time. <laughs> we need some alone time during the week. So, so yeah, I think that, yeah, no, I think that's great. I think in some relationships that I've experienced and have seen, they expect you to be together all the time for it to work out. And it, it, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> no. And everybody's different. Some people, right. it does work that way. Apparently they could work together and do that. And, and Yeah. But the key is finding what works for you, right? Exactly. And finding the person who matches that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. This is kind of a little fun one, but what okay. is the funniest pickup line, you know? Oh, the funniest pickup line. Or do guy? you have any favorite ones? Yeah. Do you have any favorite ones or have you used a pickup line before? <laughs> oh, you know, I, I, the problem is I don't think of it in terms of pickup lines. Mm. I, so it's more, and there's the, the, so the ones that I use or the ones that are used are kind of mundane. Like the times that I actually ran into strangers in some sort of crowded place and we eyed each other and looked at each other and wondered. And then I thought I got to meet him and I couldn't figure out how to meet him. And then, then suddenly he came up and said, don't I know you from somewhere? I mean, that, that's the obvious play thing. It's the, it's just, I mean, that's, that works. I mean, and it, and actually it was real because he, he did look familiar to me. He, I looked familiar to him. So we went through our whole life history trying to figure out what we, where we knew each other. And then we remembered that we'd seen each other on OkCupid ads oh, on, online. That's so, <laughs> so great. <laughs> but it was a great opening conversation. <laughs> Oh, it's so simple too. And I know, I know. No, that's so great. I, I think some people might think, oh, I got to have this unique way to talk to this person. But yeah, the other thing, I mean, I'm just a big proponent of honesty and saying like I was um, hiking with someone, I was hiking with a Sierra Club group and I, there was a man I liked and I wanted to have a date with him. So I, I just said, would you be interested in having dinner sometime? I mean, just the facts. I mean, just what that really was. And he loved that I asked that. That's so great. So. I, I just, it's so like direct and just to the point. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's missing a lot <laughs> in this today's society. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, especially if people have to strain to try to come up with a pickup line. Right. I think honesty really works. It really <laughs> does. Surprisingly, works really well. Like I, I see, I, I've been noticing you. I think you're attractive. I, I would love to get to know you better if you're open. Boom. That would, and, and that's what I would just, do if I. <laughs> And then the communication is just right off the bat, just straightforward and yeah. and mm-hmm. honest and you don't have to like beat around the bush. You just get, get to the facts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it leaves it open for the other person to say, thank you. I'm really flattered, but I'm not available or, you know, that I'm not doing that right now or they exactly. can be honest too. Yep. Exactly. So do you have a favorite line or paragraph from your book that you'd like to read for us? I do. Okay. I, I actually, right. I have two favorite lines. May I? Because Absolutely. I have two really good lines. Yes, let's the, do it. The first one is the very first line of the book, which mm-hmm. I don't have to read because I know it, it's, but I, it's a great first line. The first line is, you're still sleeping with other guys. <laughs> this is That's in the middle good. of a date, my date saying this to me. Oh, <laughs> That's so good. Okay. That's the first line. And then this one I'll read just two lines, but I love this one. I just spent the day with somebody and he called me that night. He said, I was, we had just been talking all day. He said, I was wondering, he said, if you'd like to come over tonight and use the sauna. Well, what new age sensual Northern California girl does not accept an invitation to a sauna at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. (laughs) Everything sounds just so lighthearted. And I, I love that. Oh, good. Yeah. Yes. I think it does stand out among dating books. It's kind of upbeat and in light. it is like, it's like, yeah. I mean, there's some heavy, I, I cry, I cry in the book too. It's sad. There's some sadness, but, but I'm I, basically, I return to upbeat mainly. The yeah. goal pulls me through. It made me an optimistic, like, oh, there's always the next date. Right. It helped. I love those lines. Thank you so much for sharing them. <laughs> You're welcome. So, as we wrap up the show, Carolyn, where can we buy your book and connect with you? Well, you can buy my book wherever books are sold. You can order it from your own independent bookstore, which is the best option, really. Or you can order it on Amazon. Or I have ideas on my website. And the, the place to find me, the best place is my website, carolynleearnold.com. And I have a page that says where to buy. And I've pointed out that how, and there's some places so that you can find the independent bookstores near you. We're trying to make sure independent bookstores survive because they're supporting independent authors like myself and my publishing house, which are independent press. And I will send personally autographed copies to each person if you order from my independent bookstore, or you can order from your own bookstore and ask me to send you a book plate with my signature on it. So that's what I'm doing for those, for that. And then also on my website are my Instagram and my Facebook author links, links to that. There's also a blog in which I give a lot of dating advice. I did not want to write a self-help book, but I seem to have a lot of advice to give out now. So I'm putting it in a blog, (laughs) just tips, what worked for me in the dating process. And there's also a page of dating resources. If you are embarking on dating, I'm not a dating coach, but I know some, and I know some great organizations that give you support along the way. So that's on my website. That's fantastic. Such great resources. (laughs) Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Carolyn. I really appreciate your time and this has been fun (laughs) and I love the conversation and appreciate just 
you writing this story and living this part of your life and being able to share it with others. Well, thank you. Thanks for providing this forum for authors. It's really great to be able to talk about our books and see who we resonate with and be able to reach other people. So thanks for for doing that and being curious about other authors. Absolutely. Want to learn more about the world of writers? Subscribe to The Nature of Authors on your favorite podcast platform. Have a burning question you'd like to ask upcoming guests? Reach out at www.chrissyholm.com. I'm Chrissy Holm, and until next time, keep reading, writing, spending time in nature, and dreaming up new worlds, my friend. <laughs>